Hello, what's up, guys? It's Puno, and you're listening to Girl Boss Radio. Social media has totally changed the way we interact with each other online. With just a few clicks, you can really easily communicate with up to, I don't know, 4 billion users worldwide. That's more than half of the world's total population. That's a lot of people. And with the positives, there also comes the negatives and mainstream beauty standards. Well, they they just haven't disappeared. And then sometimes social media reinforces these traditional standards of beauty and it pushes people to compare themselves to others. I mean, I've definitely compared myself to others. I even compare myself to Instagram filters. You know when they don't catch your face and you're just like, oh, who, oh, who's that? Oh, that's me. Yeah, that's me with dark circles. That's my face. All of this comparing, it is just so exhausting, right? It, and it lowers our self-esteem, but Nabella Noor has taken all of those questions inside her heads and then flipped them upside down. She's built this community on TikTok, on Instagram, and on YouTube just by being herself. An unapologetic woman who doesn't just talk about body positivity, but lives it. She even shares these relatable stories with her adorable supportive husband, Seth. We love you, Seth! And her family as a first-generation Bangladeshi American. She gets you on her team just by being herself, and we love her for that. Whether it's on social media or in fashion and beauty, Nabella has a way where she helps her community feel seen and heard. Nabella has developed this like powerful connection with her community. One example is this YouTube video. She was talking to a woman who was describing how she was being harassed at work because of her weight. And then Nabella asked her to look at herself in the mirror and tell herself that she's beautiful. And then she replied, I could say it. But do I really mean it? Probably not. Ugh, that hit me. It was just so honest. And then Novella just runs over and she hugs her. And then she tells her that she's so sorry. She knows exactly what she's feeling. And she said, you know, even for her on her harder days, she has to remind herself that your opinion of yourself should matter more than anyone else's. I'm like crying and watching this YouTube video. And then I realize that openly loving yourself on social media, on YouTube, in real life, it's kind of a radical act. You just don't see it enough. And that's why it hit me so hard. So what you're feeling right now, This is just a taste of how Nabella made us feel after this interview. So enough of me talking about her. Let's talk to Nabella herself. So let's get into it. Obviously, you are a confident woman, I got to say. Like, have you always been that way? Was little Nabella, like when she was in elementary school, was she that way? No, younger Nabella was not 
confident in her own skin. And I think that I really struggled with self-love and that's why it became so important to me to share it when I discovered it. I grew up in a really small, predominantly white conservative town that I still live in to this day. I grew up just wishing that I would wake up in the morning with blonde hair and blue eyes and my name be Rebecca. <laughs> like That's all I wanted was to just fit in because I stuck out so much. I didn't think that what I was was beautiful. I didn't think that it could be because I didn't see it represented around me. So I did struggle with my self-love for majority of my like growing up life. And then I finally got to a point where I decided and that I wasn't going to wait to love who I was and love my reflection. And it actually was social media that helped me discover that being different is beautiful. Was there like a moment that you remember where you just were not confident? When I would watch TV, there wasn't a brown girl that was the main character, mm -hmm. right? There wasn't a girl, specifically Bangladeshi, South Asian, yeah. um, Muslim. I didn't see those stories celebrated around me. And so that did influence what I thought was normal and beautiful. When you pick up magazines and they're all blonde or brunette or white, you start to think that that's the standard of beauty. Even when I would crush on a boy when I was younger, I never thought that I could end up being with that boy because that boy obviously would have to be with a white girl. Do you know what I mean? Like it, that was just my, my processing. It was like, of course I can't have mm -hmm. that, you know, anything, whatever it was, even if it was dreaming of like becoming a big star one day when I was younger, I, in my mind, there was a voice that was like, that doesn't happen. Like, of course, that's not for mm -hmm. you. You're not Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that just shaped my understanding of the world. I think I had a distorted uh, version of who I was. I remember when I was young, I ran up to my mom. I think I was in Montessori school, so preschool. And I ran up to her and I was like, mom, mom, there's this new kid in school and he has eyes like this. And my mom was like, yo, you, that's you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But I mean, I was like a three-year-old, so I had no idea, yeah. you know, what I was doing or who I was. And I think it wasn't until I saw Kill Bill mm. that I was like, whoa, an Asian woman, this is dope. And that was like the first feeling of yeah. representation that I didn't realize exactly. I needed. Exactly. Like, I, that's I exactly it. You had to see it to believe it. For me... I started to feel like I could possibly be beautiful. And it wasn't even through seeing someone with the sh same background. It was That's So Raven. Because Raven was like the first who was curvy and she was a woman of color. I'm on, I'm watching Disney Channel all yeah. day. Don't see anything that even remotely resembles me. And then Raven shows up and suddenly I'm like, wait a second. I can be the main character of my own story, you know? Yep, that's me. That was really a big deal for me. And even to this day, there aren't characters like me on TV because there aren't South Asian stories celebrated um, on main, in the mainstream. And uh, I hope I can help be a part of changing that, but it, it matters. It so matters. So what made you decide to take the leap and build a brand? Yeah, so I 
grew up, you know, in a South Asian home with immigrant parents, first generation American. So I had pretty much a formula laid out for me of what I should be, who I should become. So naturally, my options were be a doctor, a lawyer or engineer, right? That's the pool that I can pick from. So I was going to school to be a lawyer. And I wanted to work for the UN one day, like that was my dream. So well, that was the dream that was the one that I selected out of the predetermined dreams for me. Um, yeah. and- <laughs> I'll take I'll take this that- one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was I was very passionate about and I did select something in the world of giving back and helping others. And that's why I really wanted to work for the UN. So anyway, I'm in college and I'm getting ready to take my LSATs. I'm getting ready to um, prepare to enter law school. And I told my mom, I was like, I'm just going to make these videos for fun. And they kind of blew up and took on a life of its own. This was my creative side of me that was just bursting, ready to come out. And so naturally, I was just enjoying it as my mom would call it a hobby. Every time I had a creative urge my whole life, my mom was like, it can definitely exist in your life, but as a hobby. And so again, YouTube was my hobby. And then it just started to blow up more and more and more. It gets time for me to really take the law school thing seriously. And I just looked at my mom and I remember saying like, just give me some time. And I had my bachelor's and I did work in behavioral health and social work for a little bit before I then took the full leap. And I was like, I need to try this full time. And so I did. I decided I'm going to do this. And I started working with brands, developing my brand, and I haven't turned back. You have always wanted to be an advocate. Yes. And you've always wanted to help people. Like Yes. Out of all the four, yes. the one that's going to help the people the most is the social worker UN ambassador. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's funny how things work out because I got into American University, got into their honors program, and I was so excited. I'm going to live my United Nations dream, right? And I was so crushed when I couldn't afford to attend. You know, I got a lot of scholarships, lots of grants, but there was a difference that I had to come up with. And I thought, okay, I'm won't be able to work for the UN. And I picked out a different university, graduated, and I thought that the UN dream was closed. And then I obviously graduated, did YouTube, fell in love with YouTube. And then I'm sitting in the UN offices because I have a platform and they want me to speak platform. I try to amplify those those stories um, from a first generation American standpoint, but also just for anybody that's watching that is in um, a country where sometimes they might not feel like they're being represented or they're not being seen or they're not being heard. I, I try to make my content to where they can somehow see themselves in. Like that to me embodies like what I believe the girl bossing is. I didn't realize when I jumped into the YouTube thing that it would open a door that I thought was once closed. And then somehow, somewhere I landed in the UN office and then I'm on the floor of the UN talking about things that matter, talking about refugee migration, Islamophobia, the importance of the immigrant story, like all of these things. And I remember the person at the UN that I was talking to, I remember them saying to me, because I told them, like, you don't understand, I wanted to work for you. And I'll never forget, she said, Nabella, you might be able to make more of an impact now with how you'll be working with the UN than you would have had you worked for it. And that was so important for me to hear that maybe my destiny was working with them in this capacity and maybe that could make a bigger impact. I needed to know that things might not always work out the way you hope for them to because something bigger is coming. And I think that's the beauty of YouTube. What I love about it is that you're able to use your platform to tell other people's stories. Yeah. Was that something 
that was really important for you? I think to me, it's always been, I can't just have this platform and it's all about me. That just wasn't what I felt called to do. If my platform could help lift others up in some capacity, especially the communities that I belong in and represent, then I'm doing something that I could be proud of 10 years from now. And that's why my nonprofit means so much to me as well, because if I have people's eyes right now. Let's talk about stories that need to be told, issues that need to be addressed. And I feel the most fulfilled when I can do that and allow myself to be a platform rather than just be a spotlight. Mm. And now you're able to go to places like the UN and really advocate because I'm sure you get so many emails and DMs and letters about people's personal stories and how they're affected as an immigrant. It's it's wild. You know, you hear from so many people who also didn't see themselves represented. And so mm. now they finally do through, through my little page that I'm learning. Like we have shared experiences and shared stories that need to be told. Yeah. So I have a, a separate business um, called I Love Creatives. And what we're known for is a very positive, healthy community. Yes. And I'm always trying to break down what are like some of the key components to actually keep that momentum and keep that positivity? Yeah. During COVID, it was really challenging as well. But yes. for you, what were really important things to build up a healthy community? Well, it's funny you asked that because it actually like changed my life. I started posting on the first day that it was announced it was a pandemic and we need to be at home. I think it was March 14th. And I remember... I was bored. I didn't know what to do. And I was scared because they say it's two weeks that we're going to be at home. But I don't know. Some people are saying it might be longer. So what are we going to do? I don't understand. Are we going to die? Like it was just so many thoughts, right? So what I did was I just documented what I did that day. And I filmed it and I posted it on TikTok and on my Instagram. And it went viral. And then I did it every single day. And it was actually to help my own anxiety. But it ended up helping other people cope because they saw how I just got through the day and I um, I used to call it quarantine routine and it built such a strong community. So many people started to look forward every single day and then it just culminated and became a movement and then, you know, quarantine wasn't really a thing anymore. It was more like social distancing. So I switched the name from quarantine routine to what I think it became, which was Pockets of Peace. Every day or on most days, I document the moments throughout the day that brought me peace, the little moments of stillness that I wanted to celebrate. I wanted to share some pockets of peace for my day because I believe that each day carries a few moments of goodness and we deserve to enjoy them. These are the highlights I want to celebrate to focus on the light amidst It's the truly the most Last everyday things. Cooking. I'm cooking a meal for my husband. I'm cleaning. I'm writing in my gratitude journal and I just share it in video form and people have really felt called and inspired to find those moments every single day in their lives that are peaceful and make time for it. So it's been great. I was watching it with my husband and we like to cry in bed. I love this. <laughs> and I was like, are you crying yet? Because it's always a race. And then he turned his face and there was already tears like <laughs> way farther down his face. And I was like, ah. <laughs> but uh, what I've noticed too is that on YouTube, when you're incredibly positive, sometimes that can attract online bullying And this is something you've been really vocal about, but you're approaching it in a really healthy way. How did you go about doing that? Was that a really important decision for you? You know, I I 
I think it was important for me because I know that it must come from a place of hurt to want to hurt somebody else. And so I did start to use my platform to talk about it because it's so easy to just shame people that are bullies, but I'd rather think about the root of the problem. And we've got a lot of people that need healing and that need encouragement. So I want to help people or at least send them my love. So I wanted to pause for a quick second because cyberbullying is a horrible experience to go through alone. And I wanted to let listeners know that we've also included resources in the show notes of this episode for anyone that is looking for support. So I wanted to shift toward the topic of beauty standards. How did this even happen? Why do they exist? And what role do they play? I think beauty standards exist for many reasons. First and foremost, for profit. The idea that bags are, under eye bags are bad is so that we can sell products to get rid of them, right? Uh, the idea that your weight is something that needs to be perfected and needs to be sculpted to look one way or the other is so that we can sell diet pills and skinny tees. And that's really one of the big reasons for why these standards are continually perpetuated. And then we can't deny the fact that European standards of beauty have dictated us throughout history. Back home in, in Bangladesh, people use skin whitening creams to look fairer, to look more like the European standard of beauty. This stuff is rooted not just in profit, but also in history. And it's also rooted in the fact that self-hate sells, but self-love is liberating. Understanding that your insecurity is designed for profit. And when you realize that, you start to be like, I am no longer going to, to fall for it. When I became free of that and decided not to wait any longer, um, not wait till I was thinner to be happy, that's when my life changed and began to really change for the better. Yeah, and I'm always going back and forth about it because I love a cat eye. Yeah. And I've been wearing a cat eye since I was in college. I always wonder, like, is it because, like, I don't feel beautiful without makeup? Yeah. But then at the same time, my cat eye makes me so happy. There's a point where it's controlling me more than I'm using it to express myself. How do you navigate that? There was a time in my life where I wouldn't leave the house without makeup on. I wouldn't even go throw out the garbage, you know, without makeup on kind of thing. And that's when I remember my brother once told me, because I finally did leave the house because I was in a rush. I was in my pajamas. I was much younger. And I remember he was driving and, and I got back in the car. He's like, wow, you just did that without any makeup on. And it was a crutch for me. And this was before YouTube. So I kind of came into YouTube with a much healthier perspective of myself and my relationship with makeup. If I feel like I can't live without it, that's when I know I have to start to make myself so that I can uncover what's going on. And now my relationship with makeup is so fun and it's not something where I feel like I need it to feel beautiful. Even with my platform, I've always made it very clear it's makeup isn't a necessity, it's yeah. a beautiful accessory. I totally understand what you're saying because I've been there. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a good test though. It's like, am I addicted to this or do I need to like test it for a second? Challenge that a little bit. Absolutely. You've got three business, four, I would say four businesses, right? Girl, girl, <laughs> I, listen, you, you'd think I'd know when to stop, 
But I genuinely feel so blessed every single day that I'm just like, okay, so what can I do? How can I give back? But yes, I do have uh, four businesses. I can break them down for you if you'd like. Yes, let's do it because we'll we'll visualize it. Boop, boop, boop. Okay, so it's it actually is funny because if you go to my website, lovenor.co, and you click about, there's actually a tree to show. Oh, yes. The yes. breakdown of my bit. It really, I needed to. I was like, I need my audience, like in those that are interested in my career to know what's going going on yeah the about page is a chart it is <laughs> I, I need you to go on to it and look it's wild it's really okay. a chart so you go on to loveandnoor.co my last name nor means light so the company's name is love and light and then you go to about and then it'll show you at the top is love and nor that's my digital media company that is like the parent company to everything love and nor is at the top and then under it it houses everything that i've created that helped me spread love and nor to the world so whether it is my Nivellanor home uh, community, which is my homemaking community that's been growing through my Pockets of Peace series. Then there's Zeba, my self-love brand. That's my other company. And then there's Norhouse, which is my nonprofit scholarship program that's based in Bangladesh that helps provide education and resources to young girls that are struggling with poverty. And, and yeah, so am I missing anything? <laughs> and yourself. And then there's myself, which falls under there as well, which is basically my brand, my image my likeness, my platform. So that also falls under the love and door umbrella. And that requires its own level of managing and navigating Zeba, my self-love brand. And it's just an amazing community as well. And I'm so proud of it. It's just growing every single day. So Zeba is mostly um, like is a place where you can shop and buy goods, right? Yes. So it's basically my clothing and lifestyle brand. And it's also a community focused on self-love. So how can we help dismantle this age old idea of beauty standards? And how can we help you in redefining beauty through our platform? And that includes our clothing offering where I've designed every piece and um, it's ethically made. It's inclusively designed. And it also gives back to girls education because when you purchase from Ziba any product, a portion of each sale goes to Jago Foundation, which houses my nonprofit in Bangladesh. Oh, so um, it goes it back does and gets work back together. To, yeah, it, yeah. Everything always works together. It's like the Marvel universe, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like you have an the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. You're making your little yeah. you're making an ecosystem that works together. And I, I I really resonate with that because I feel like I I try to do that as well. Like maybe that's me being opportunistic in, in my own world, but it's easier for me to kind of create these rabbit holes that lead to each other. Um, Always. But I never intentionally do that. Like when you... Was Ziba the yeah. first Ziba was official the first business? official business okay. under Lovinor. So once we created Lovinor LLC and we wanted to then create our first brand to live underneath it, it was Ziba. And then after that, everything happened. The like Norhouse then, you know, was founded and we were so happy to have a nonprofit. And then it just made sense for them both to to be working together in some capacity. It just made sense that if I'm gonna sell a product, how can I give back to kids in Bangladesh? which is what I do with my nonprofit every day. And then when I started to make the quarantine videos and really getting into the world of homemaking, naturally Nabellanor Home just blossomed. People are asking for a cookbook. They're asking for a home line. They're asking for all of these things that have just birthed from organic content that's just been really fun. I love that. So Nabellanor Home is more of a media platform in terms of like a business. Yeah, okay. for now. Yeah. <laughs> so I think people are really excited about a potential cookbook, which I am 
not going to say whether or not that's being made right now. But that's a definite <laughs> foreshadow right there. We, we should cue some music there. But yeah, the Bellinor home for right now, it's a community where we celebrate life through finding our pockets of peace each day. And yeah, right now it's content that celebrates life, but eventually it'll translate into product. Was it hard to build out Ziba for you? Because I've been dabbling in product and man, I'm just like making content and building websites is so much easier than building product. Yeah. But you're also trying to do it differently as well because you're also catering to a lot more sizes, which is also really tough. Like, how do you even deal with inventory? Well, it's really tough because before becoming a designer myself, I would always hear brands use the justification of, we don't carry larger sizes because, you know, they charge more for more fabric, or we don't carry large sizes because there's no demand or it's too much inventory. And I was like, boohoo, like the average size of a woman in America today is 14, 16. I think it might've changed to 16, 18. So naturally, if that's the average size of a woman in America, then that's your average consumer and you're intentionally keeping them out of the conversation. And that's a problem. So I wanted to be a part of solving that problem. I think the biggest and best businesses are born from filling a need. And I knew that that existed because I can only go to a few stores in person and find my size. Otherwise, I have to shop online. And I wanted to just be a part of changing that. I also wanted it to be where I would shop and not have to shop from a plus line or a curve line, but it's just all one. That was something that I wanted to help dismantle. So with Ziba, there is no Ziba Plus. There's no Ziba Curve. It's just Ziba. And we have a vast size range from the traditional extra small to the traditional 5X. But what we've done is we've replaced the traditional names to um, powerful words of affirmation. So extra small is actually in the world of Ziba, passionate. And then it goes all the way to worthy, um, which is our traditional 5X. People love shopping and it being an inclusive experience. The existence of these affirmations doesn't mean that we're hiding our size. We love our size. We embrace our size. But it's just about seeing ourselves as more than our size. But there are so many challenges. When you're designing, especially, like, I've made it a point to where I'm not charging more for larger sizes. However, you know, that's something that people do try to do. I'm just like, so what, we're punishing people now? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not doing Mm -hmm. that. That's just not who I am. So I made sure that my prices are the same across the board. Also making sure that everything fits beautifully for someone that is passionate all the way to someone that's an independent. That's been a challenge that I'm so happy to have overcome. What was hard about it? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Each product has taken me several months to design. Um, My first product was a cardigan. It's the girl of my dreams cardigan. Took me almost a year, a little over a year, I think, to design because I needed it to be perfect on all sizes to not compromise it and get it to a price point that made sense because accessibility matters to me. And when you're making things ethically, people want ethical clothing, but they don't want the ethical clothing prices. And that's an important distinction we have to make because the reason why you're able to get that cheap piece most of the time is because it was made unethically. So because I've made it a point to make sure that everyone is being fairly paid, all of that makes it a complicated process. I love that. Yeah. That's so good. I feel like a lot of content creators get approached by manufacturers to build out beauty lines, whatever they want. Yes. But it, it sounds like clearly you are in the manufacturing process. You're doing your own yes. design and, and yes. development. Yes. Was that really important for you too? 
Yes. It's harder. With all of, oh my gosh, with all of the love and respect to my friends and peers who may have elected that route, right? Because they want to work smarter and not harder. And because I believe in that mantra so much, I'm working on it for 2021. I respect anybody who partners with the manufacturer and understands their strengths and weaknesses and understands the strengths and weaknesses that a partner can bring them. I totally get that. And Ziba does have a partner. The difference is, though, I am 100% involved from start to finish, from everything down to the fabric, to the design, to every single piece from the website we develop. Everything has been a really collaborative experience. And you know that this was a labor of love. Yes. And so you're on all the emails. The back there's Ugh. those threads get long. <laughs> <sighs> Gosh, I need to take a deep breath. I need a deep breath. Well, I need a deep well, breath. Well, so how do you obviously you built all these different businesses because you wanted to, but at yeah. some point, some of them are gonna take over the lives of others. How is your life split up? How do you do that? So I do have an internal team. And then I also have my team in LA, right? My manager, my publicist, my agent, without whom I couldn't do anything. I love them so much. But then I have my internal team that works for Love and Noor. So these are my producers, people that work with me to manage this entire ecosystem, to handle the content creation, the social media management, the day to day, and making sure that we are watering every garden. And so without them, it would be very difficult to juggle a lot of graphs and tables and charts and Monday meetings and a lot of coordinating, but it's important. Yeah. So tactically wise, every Monday you guys have a stand up with the entire team. Yeah. So it's an all hands meeting. <laughs> this is what we're projecting for the week. I think a lot of times content creation sound like you just create the content and then go, but there's a lot of planning. There's a lot of strategy because we offer more than content. We have our nonprofit and then we also have the brand that has product because there are those elements that are beyond just the content. We have a lot to to juggle. And so definitely includes lots of meetings, lots of conversations, lots of planning days. Yeah. Brady, your producer was saying that he was one of the first people that were outside of the family because it was a family business for a little bit yeah in the beginning yeah (laughs) Brady was our first producer that we hired who was non-family and I feel like it really became more real when we had hired people under love and nor who were not family we were like oh my gosh we're like building something pretty exciting and then we hired more and more and now it's just so fun to be like wait this started in my bedroom and now like we've got people and a team and we're creating amazing things and we're launching things and people are wearing the things that we're launching and it just becomes so interesting to go from the thought to reality and something that people can tangibly experience so that's been really fun one thing i i felt as creative director slash ceo i've become a blocker so what do you mean when you say you're a blocker Meaning like several people need things reviewed. Some things I just prioritize first, even if it wasn't first in. So they just kind of like simmer. But in my mind, this one isn't as timely or important right now as that one. Yep. But I don't know if you've cracked it. (laughs) 
<laughs> like no i actually i feel like i'm sitting in a support group right now because like i needed to hear that that's something else that someone else deals yeah. with because it, honestly it's a dance every day it's trying to figure out what is the action item that must get done today versus something else that we are also working on but maybe could be pushed a little bit but then some things are pushed too far it's a lot and trying to be the person to determine what should be pushed in the back burner and what should be the priority. I haven't cracked the code. I was hoping you had it for me. I was like, and <laughs> your turn. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? I really thought I was in a support group for a second. I felt so seen. I was like, wait, this is going to be great. She's going to, I'm going to know what to do now. I really like, please, anyone listening, please, for the love of God, let yes. us know. Let us know. Let us know. We'll be right back. You're listening to Girl Boss Radio. Hey, Girl Boss listeners. So, a lot of people are starting to make online courses. I myself am a course creator. I love it. I talked to Sophia about it in Passing the Torch. And Thinkific is a platform where you can do that. You can create, market, and sell an online course. We have one course creator here with us today. Her name is Zaylee Barclay. Thank you for having me. And she created Start, Shoot, Grow Video Academy. Hi, Zaylee. So give me the tea. Why'd you choose Thinkific? So other platforms were holding your money for 30 days. And so with Thinkific, somebody buys, you get your money. And so I really liked that um, on top of the simplicity of the platform and looking at how my students were going through the content. It was very easy for them. And then I found the other things that I loved about the platform. I loved that you didn't have to pay for extra video hosting. Mm -hmm. You can host directly in Thinkific and you're not sending your person outside to an external platform. And you can do that on the free plan. That is a game changer. And to help you girl boss listeners get on the right track, we want to actually give you the complete step-by-step -step guide on how to create and sell an online course. So go to thinkific.com backslash girl boss. And thanks so much again, Zaylee. This is awesome. I hope everybody checks out your course. Thank you. All right. Clinky. Time for our favorite break, wine break. And speaking of wine... Are you sick and tired of your drink going stale? Yuck. I know. It's just in the fridge, just sitting there. Don't you worry. Usual Wines is here to solve that problem. Their bottles are really cute. It's one of those bottles that everybody will go, oh my God, that bottle's really cute. And each bottle is a single serving, which means Usual is fresh every time. That means no more pouring wine down the sink when you can't finish that bottle. So you're going to say bye-bye to flat or stale rosé. Bye. I don't like it. Give me the sparkles. Use the discount code GIRLBOSS to get your first glass on us. Peruse on over to usualwines.com. That's U-S-U-A-L-W-I-N-E-S.com. Or, you know, just check out the link in our show notes. It's 2021 and a lot of things have changed. But a lot of things are the same, like the need to take care of yourself. I see you, neighbor, with your swole AF body. Kudos to you. But you know what? Physical health isn't your total health. You got to take care of that mental stuff, too. Everyone is at a different place in their mental health journey. For some, this process is really easy and natural. For others, it can be more difficult. But being able to talk it out is a great starting point for finding solutions. 
especially talking it out with someone like a therapist. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. They make finding the right therapist for you simple and affordable. And it only takes 48 hours to connect with a therapist. So our girl boss community gets 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash girlboss. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash girlboss. We're back. You're listening to Girl Boss Radio. I have simmered down on the excitement of my genius ideas. Um, And I'm like, girl, just calm down about that fucking idea because you're going to overwhelm people because they're not thinking like that idea is genius. They're thinking, how do we get this idea done? Yep. And so the two things that I do is simmer down in the excitement. Let me sleep on it. It deserves a night to sleep on it. Yep. And the second thing is if I really want to do it, then do the work of figuring out what components need to happen so that people feel a little bit more calm that it's been thought through. Yep. I feel that so much because lately I've been having so many ideas of more things that I want to launch. And I've had to sit back and think, okay, how do we perfect our systems now before I introduce more things that are going to need more systems? And I don't want my creativity to be what um, actually ends up hurting me. I want it to be something that keeps the engine going in a good way. I totally resonate with the thought that I need to think it through so that people can feel calm. I don't want people to feel like there she goes again, coming up with a new thing. <laughs> because I could, I could just do it all day, like, <laughs> just like sitting there. Like, but I think the lesson for me lately has been how can I do things and do them in a way that is thought out, like you said. I think that's mm-hmm. so important. Also, a good idea can still be a good idea and be done a little bit later. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. The fact that like there's no way that I will ever extinguish the amount of ideas I have. Yeah. I think that's what I just needed to realize was like, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> and like there there are some things that I really thought I wanted to do that I just put a pin on because I was like you don't have to do necessarily everything. And that helped me. When I realized one of the things that I wanted to do was already being done by so many others. And I'm like, how does mine entering this space, how is that pushing the needle further for anything? Or is it just so that I could have it? And so understanding like, is what I want to create something that isn't either being done before, or maybe there isn't enough of, maybe they've been done before, but not in the way that I want to do it. And then I feel good about it. And I'm like, okay, let's go. You know what I mean? I don't know if Oh, a hundred percent. Especially with content creation. TikTok is actually the perfect example yeah. because it's like, look, this is a trend. What's your take on it? And that's all we're doing. And it rewards you for doing your own take on it. Yet you can still start from the same conversation. I love that. That's probably the best way anybody could have ever explained it. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's all like, let's get on TikTok right now. (laughs) Listen, I love TikTok. I'm like such a... I love TikTok. I love TikTok. I mean, right now, my community there has been incredible. And it's just really such an amazing place for people to be a part of conversation and have viral moments. And I I really love it. Yeah. I want to bring up Seth because we're big Seth fans over here. (laughs) 
Same, same. Yeah, you're like, I'm I'm the president of the fan club, so it's fine. (laughs) How do you feel he supports you and how has that changed? Oh, man. It's so funny because for a while there was this running meme, you know, the whole Instagram husband thing. And it really made me sad back in the day. I have friends who are in the same situation. Our partners are not just making content with us, but they're a part of integral decisions and they almost take on roles of leadership. And so for Seth, we run our company together. Everything from payroll to HR, anything logistic operations, he handles. And then I handle everything creative. So I couldn't do it without him. It just couldn't exist and couldn't operate as smoothly as it does if it wasn't for him. Yeah. Yeah. I work with my husband as well. And um, we've been figuring out our workflow and our skill sets. Number one, we realized that if we're going to be efficient as two people, then there has to be absolute trust and no resentment if Mm. anything goes wrong or whatever. But because we had that trust and we started slipping in naturally to operations and creative. And Daniel is definitely, he's very similar to Seth in that he is the logical one and he's also ops and maintenance. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. That's where he thrives too. (laughs) Same, exactly. And I I couldn't agree more. Together, we try to work smarter, right? So knowing what our strengths are and what our weaknesses are is important. Like I'm having our creative meetings. Seth does obviously provide his feedback, but he's not over there like trying to like create a mood board for me. (laughs) Like he knows like, but then then also what he's trying to get stuff done when it comes to our team members or figuring out the logistics. I'm not going in there with a calculator. I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses and he knows his. And so we complement each other in that way. Couldn't imagine doing it without him. I love that. I love that you're surrounded by so much great support everywhere. It's time to ask a girl boss. All right, it's Ask a Girl Boss time, and we have a great question from Lizzie Okoro, who actually recommended we interview you. And she wanted to know, how do you deal with boundaries? Listen, I'm gonna be really honest. I am struggling daily with this exact thing. And it is important to share that even if I talk about self-love, that doesn't mean that I've got it all figured out. I'm not the best at knowing how to establish boundaries. I am working on this though. And what I remind myself every single day is that I cannot pour from an empty cup. I cannot pour from an empty cup. I cannot pour from an empty cup. And that's helped me because I always want to like be helpful. I want to be generous. I need to make sure that what I'm doing isn't doing more harm harm than good. And then when it comes to giving, making sure that it's healthy, that you're you're not exhausting yourself. Because then, then, then what's left, right? Whether it's through little mantras like, I can't pour from an empty cup. I have to fill my cup. I have to take time for myself. I have to know when to say no. No is a beautiful thing. No is a powerful thing. But I have to be so honest in that I myself am working on this. Yeah. Um, so if anybody has any tips, let us know. What are some indicators in your daily life that kind of show you the cup is getting a little empty? You know, my body has become a big billboard of what's going on. Sometimes I feel like my body will like honestly make me almost sick 
so that I have to slow down, like so that I have to stop. Like I'll start to feel under the weather. I know this is a little bit wild, but I've lately been so run down to where I need to like lay down and take a day because I know that that is an indication that you've been pouring and pouring and pouring, but you just need to stop. And so I don't encourage anybody to wait until their body tells them because you've gone way Too past far. Yeah. all of the warning signs. And there's so many warning signs. You noticing that you're on your phone too much or whether you haven't been able to make time for something that you normally do. Like an everyday indicator for me is if I don't make time for my gratitude journal, something's awry. Ooh. Yes. You know, if I didn't make time for that show that I really, really love, like what what's going on? You know, like little things that there are signs in the world. And then if you just pay attention to them, then you'll know maybe I haven't been giving myself the same love or attention or kindness that I may be so freely giving to others. I love and that. And just like listening. I think it'd be so helpful for people to really think about at what point do you realize maybe you've been putting yourself on the back burner? Sometimes for me, it's like shallow things. Like when my nails start to chip and not like a little chip. I'm saying like when they are just all sorts of messed up. I'm like, okay, this is a manifestation of how little I've put into myself in these past few weeks. What's one for you? My cheek. It's this weird thing where I'll bite my cheek. Whenever that happens, then I'm like, whoa, mm. you need to calm down. You're not thinking about what's happening right now. You're just going too hard. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love. Yeah, this would be so helpful for people. I think. <laughs> like you have to because we do need to identify mm -hmm. like we need to identify the moments where we start to lose ourselves in the thick of everything. Yeah, I think it's so important. Yeah. What I realized starting my business, I was reading a lot of books and strategies. And uh, there's one that was talking about iterating and having weekly goals versus monthly goals, mm. or even daily goals versus weekly goals, so that it gives you the opportunity every day to check in versus waiting for something really bad to happen. Yeah. So I used to do this thing when I was in the video game industry. I was always waiting for my performance review with my boss, which happens quarterly, mm. if not. And that wasn't enough time to like check in with myself. Right. So then I was like, girl, Puno, you are going to check in every morning and wow. just be like, hey, I'm going to be the best boss that I ever wanted and just be like, hey, how's yeah. it going? Uh, <laughs> you know? I love that. I so love that. I love that. And it's it's so funny you say that because like I genuinely believe and I say this all the time, like I will not reserve my happiness for a later date or a later wait. There's so much synergy there because even the idea of checking in with ourselves or having goals that feel manageable, like we shouldn't be waiting. It should be a daily check-in. I'm not going to wait until a performance review to feel accomplished or to feel like I did something worth celebrating. So I love that idea. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Love it. Sweet. So I want to end with my final question. How has your definition of success changed for you? My whole life, I really thought that success was some, something that you would earn and that it would come like as money or status or reputation or when the world of social media, the currency is followers, right? So like this would determine success. But what I've learned is actually to me, success is all of these things not actually influencing your perspective of yourself. I think a successful person loves themselves unapologetically. They have found joy in things that are not necessarily worldly. 
I feel the most successful when I'm with Seth and my dogs and we're just together and we're cooking and we're having a deep conversation and we're feeling genuine joy. And it's not because of anything that was given to us besides each other. I feel the most successful when I'm wearing something and I look in the mirror and I feel good about it and it wasn't influenced by anybody else. Loving yourself unapologetically is truly one of the best ways to live a successful life. But finding those moments in each day, those things that can be celebrated, whether that was just taking time to watch your favorite show or write in your journal and, and doing that consistently, that's successful to me. Oh, I love that. I was like getting all teary eyed because I remember when even just this morning, I just had this moment with Daniel and we were just like, hugging and then ah. my cat Mwadib was like she's she's like always wanting to get in the middle of us all the time but then she just snuggled so is my dog Nori oh Nori keep going but like just having that time where you can just feel the oxytocin you know and just like breathe it in and it's like this beautiful warm feeling it's just it's just yes. it's really nice i love that don't you feel like the richest person in the world in those moments like i really feel like money can't even equate it's unbelievable such a it's like actual physical feeling yeah. of warmth that i'm just like Yes. So true. And I've been feeling it so much lately. I look at Seth and I'm like, I think this is our best year of marriage because we just are at this place where joy is in like the weirdest, smallest things. I will take a long drive in a car with my favorite music playing over any lavish, luxurious, big anything. And I think determining what will make you happy in each day and doing just that, even if it's big or small, is, is success. Can you teach us some Bangla? Yes, I can teach you some Bangla. What do you want me to say? Oh, it's Bangla, Bangla. Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, so what about I love myself? Ami Nije ke bhalobashi. Ami Nije? Yeah, Nije ke bhalobashi. Nije. Is it Nije ke? Nije ke. Nije ke. Nije ke. Bhalobashi. Yeah, Ami Nije ke bhalobashi. Yeah. Ami Nije ke. Look at me like reminding me. Ami Nije ke bhalobashi. Thank you guys so much, Puno. I had so much fun with you. Dude, yes, I had so much fun with you too. For some more than others, being a woman on the internet can feel absolutely exhausting. Nabella reminded me how much representation really does matter. Whether it's owning your size or celebrating your hyphenated upbringing, like Bangladeshi American or first generation, Showing up online unapologetically as yourself can really create an impact. You know, I'm like 36 right now, and I'm just getting good at not caring what other people think. And even though I'm, I'm better, I still have my days. And we need people like Nobella who really do pay it forward for those of us who need that reminder. When she said, your opinion of yourself should matter more than anyone else's. I was like, hell yeah. Hell yeah, it should. The best part is she doesn't have it all figured out. She's still learning. She's still growing. We're all a work in progress. Let's just be real with ourselves, though. What work is it going to take for you to truly believe that you're fine as hell? Hmm? Even thousands of orchids can't compare to your beauty. 
But seriously, own who you are, okay? And be loud about it. Because someone else might need to see you shine to believe that they can too. This episode is a production of I Love Creative Studio. Original music composed by Nija. Special thanks to our lead producer, Chris, our assistant producer, Juliana, and our editorial director, Clemence. Thank you so much, guys. You're awesome. See you next time.